It's good to be with Paul and Joyce Travis today, and we're going to have the opportunity to ask Paul to give a testimony about his life journey, including his spiritual discoveries along the way. So, Paul, how are you today? Hi. Well, why don't you share about your spiritual journey? We'd love to hear about God's faithfulness in your life. Okay. I was raised on a farm in the upstate New York, and my folk were very legalistic and very strict, but we were always in church. I was saved when I was eight years old at the North Baptist Church in Corning, New York, and Ralph Neighbor was the special speaker, and I went forward. A pastor was James N. Bedford. We went. We were there all the time. And uh, I acted up one Sunday, and my dad whipped me out there in the foyer. And uh, only took once. <laughs> never mm-hmm. did it again. Never mm-hmm. had to, I guess. I grew up with the Babacoff movement at Lake Lamoka, New York, and I attended uh, the camp every year. And also, I became a volunteer staff. And uh, when I was in elementary school, next door to the school was a church, and we would go there to do programs for Christmas and Easter and so on. I never went to a movie, never went to a dance, I never swore. Uh, I was rigid, I guess. I was faithful. Uh, I started leading boys to Christ back when I was a teenager. Maybe when I was 15 or 16, I started speaking at the church in different activities. I won many awards and thought I was winning points with God. Surely God would love me. So I worked hard. I performed, in other words. Mm -hmm. Now I'm teaching against that. But this is back when I was growing up. I attended a Bible school and conference every year there. They had a conference and a camp. But they also had a little higher level Bible study. And I remember one year we studied the book of Romans. I went through all the book of Romans uh, in this study. I even learned how to play a saw. Like you put your saw between the legs and you pull a bow. Mm -hmm. I learned how to do that there. But later, soon later, I started playing the trumpet. And I played the trumpet faithfully by probably 62 years. But after a while, I may have to give it up now. Mm. I milked the cow, I fed the chickens, I fed the pigs, I got a pony, and I had the pony uh, plow the garden, Mm -hmm. and uh, we'd have the pony pull the plow one way and rest him, pull it back, rest him, and this is the kind of beginning I had, but the one thing about it, I'm glad, even though we were legalistic, I'm glad my father made sure we had the Bible read in the home, and we were always in church. I bought stock in a Christian radio station. I thought that would be a wonderful thing. I'd take my girlfriend over and she'd play the organ. The president of the radio station would say, fellas, get to work. One of our stock horses here. And this is a 15, 16 year old boy. And I just ate it up. I mean, I was doing this for God. I was trying to win points with God. I want to do everything pleasing to him. I had a friend who uh, took me to his little Bible study, and I used to talk, and my father also uh, had me speak for him. He was starting churches and starting schools, Sunday schools. One time, rabbi, I called him, this rabbi uh, wanted me to work with him with Jack Wurtson. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we were promoting the meeting we were going to have in town. Jack Workman was going to come and have a meeting. And, and uh, we showed, he showed a film of Yankee Stadium. It happened in Yankee Stadium. He showed a crusade where hundreds of people were saved. And we showed this. But before he showed that, he had me give my testimony of accepting Christ. Also, uh, he had me play my trumpet. Well, let me just um, interject here that some people would have that kind of religious devotion in order to try to earn salvation. Of course, we know the Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. But you mentioned you were giving your salvation testimony. So you did receive Christ as your personal Savior as a young boy. Is that yes, right? at, at eight, year, eight years old. So this devotion wasn't to try to earn salvation, but no. you were still trying to perform to be a good Christian. Yes, be pleasing to God. So that was your motivation. Yes. And it's a noble thing, but in a way you were kind of doing a lot of it on your own strength, weren't you? Of course, you? I didn't know this when I was doing no. it. Yeah. This came to me, of course, later. Okay, thanks. Just think, I was only 16 years old, and I had the privilege of giving my testimony and playing my trumpet in 28 churches in two months. Wow. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't just legalistic. I was faithful and I was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that the motivation was all correct. It wasn't all correct. I was performing. I peddled papers in the morning. And I made money to go to Bible college. My grandma died with cancer. I went to the Bible college in London, Ontario. The president of the school was my pastor who baptized me back when I was just a young person. When I got to college, Bible college, I, uh, with the boys, we would go out weekends in churches. And I remember the one that was uh, senior, and I was a freshman school, that he would say, well, now, Bill, you, you lead the singing. Uh, Mike, you uh, have a devotional. And uh, Paul, you play your trumpet, and I'll preach. I never heard very often... You preach, Paul. So you know what I did? I started open-air meetings. I had two on Friday night and one on Saturday. I just had to learn how to how to preach a sermon in three minutes. Mm. Because we were downtown, London, Ontario. When they were waiting for the light and crossing over to the other side, I had to get my sermon in that three minutes, whatever it was, about three minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I wanted the experience of preaching. The trumpet overtook it. Interesting. I even played for elderly people in nursing homes with a puppet. I played my trumpet with a puppet. Mm-hmm. And I kept asking, well, why do you ask me to come and play my trumpet with a puppet with these older people? And they said, you know what, Paul? Some of these people haven't laughed in one year. Mm-hmm. You got them to laugh a little bit. Anyhow, one of the tests I went through as in high school, was I played tennis. And I was supposed to be number one in the county. This one time, we were playing tennis, and I would hit the ball real hard, and the fellow would just get him back, just get him back, just get him back. And I won the first set, 6-3, and then he won the next set. I got four, he got six. The last set, he won five, seven to five. This was devastating to me. Wow. 
Mm. I mean, they, they put so much stock in me. I mean, people in the county thought I would be number one. Mm. And, uh, you know, the Lord really broke me. This was the beginning of breaking that I experienced. Now, on December the 9th, 1952, Rudy Peterson came to our college and spoke in chapel. He was set on fire. He worked in Detroit on the railroad, and he fell off onto the tracks, and the wheel ran over his legs, and uh, it cut one right below the ankle, and the other one right above, right below the knee. He walked. He this leg on the left leg was almost completely cut off, mm. and he had to take leg and fold it up against his thigh and walk on the stubs for help. Can you imagine in a railroad area? He went to the Catholic hospital in Detroit, Michigan. And while he was there, there was 104 came to know Jesus as Savior. And Rudy Peterson came to our college and set us on fire because he was going through the experiences with us. He would walk into a hospital room and say, Lord, if it means me go to hell, don't let this one go to hell. Lord, I pray you might save this person. He did this throughout the hospital. And many administrative people got perturbed with him because you can imagine he was causing all kinds of stuff. There were two nuns and one priest that got saved in this experience. This all was written up in the Power magazine. And, uh, well, having gone through this experience, he got his legs, by the way. Mm -hmm. And he came to our Bible college walking fine. Amazing. God did it. But the wonderful thing was all these people got saved at the Catholic hospital. Tremendous zeal, tremendous passion for God. He passed that on to us. And we met in two, two blocks from the school. We met at Central Baptist Church. In the third floor, I called it the upper room. And uh, this was pastored by Howard Sugden. We fellas, there were 12 of us. 12 of us got together on the 9th of December and the 10th of December, 1952. And we learned what it was to die to self. We went over Romans 6, 7, 8. And I, I started learning it. I'll have to admit to you that I didn't learn it all because... It seemed like nobody else was talking about it when I went back home. I got involved in English Keswick and started reading the books. One of the books that meant a lot to me was The Normal Christian Life of Watchman Nee. Mm -hmm. And I went and visited my wife's uncle who had a debit. And he would go from house to house collecting the money for the debit for that insurance company. And I was sitting on the curb reading Normal Christian Life. Kids would come up to me wondering what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I had a chance to witness. And uh, mm -hmm. that was some experience for me. It's the classic book that's helped so many to discover that union with Christ message in Romans 6, 7, and 8 that you were describing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I saw this on one of the members of my church. I was pastoring. And I saw this on the shelf. And I wondered what that was. Could I borrow it? Mm -hmm. Well, one summer I was asked to go to New Brunswick, Canada 
and help a pastor there. And I did. There was also a lady from our college that lived near there, and she and I grouped together, and we had vacation Bible school in seven churches. The interesting thing was, all but one was in churches that were closed. And I went and asked permission to use their their church for a week. And I got these kids singing choruses who had never sung a chorus in their life. And many were saved. And that's when I started using my puppet. (laughs) But I got involved in the New Kazakh movement and uh, I started reading the books and I started understanding what it was to have the life of Christ. Not only was my he my Savior, but He was my Lord and He was my life. Amen. It all began right back there. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful to go and open up these closed churches. And we had these pump organs in the homes and churches. I'll never forget that. You had, this, pump, you had to pump it to keep the organ going, right? Right. Yeah. right. Civic Chaplain's Evangelistic Crusade started and my father was involved in that and some of my friends and so we got into a bus and made it into a trailer. It would You could have four people sleep in it. We uh, What we would do is we'd park it somewhere, the bus, and we had a tent, which we put up, and we had tent meetings. And in the daytime, we would go around and visit people, try to get them to read one chapter of the Bible every day. And for those people who promised to read one chapter a day, we would give them a little certificate about that. One little thing that I won't ever forget is I went to this one house and was talking to the lady about the Lord Jesus and in coming back door, her husband. And he made me go out the front door. Well, some people would have taken that as an excuse to quit. But I went to the next house and I led them to Christ. The devil didn't like that. The Lord wanted me to go. And uh, that was with the Civic Chaplain's Evangelistic Crusades. And uh, this is where I got a lot of experience. And I praise the Lord for it. I'll never forget going to this place and spending four weeks there. We had tent meetings for four weeks. During that time, there was 40-some people saved. And I was talking to this Methodist Sunday school teacher who taught for many, many years. And I found out that he prayed for all these people that accepted Christ. And I said, now, how how long have you prayed for this couple? And he held his hand out and said, since they were about that old. Hmm. And he was pointing back at maybe six, seven years old. Well, when we got through the fourth week and all these people were saved, this dear brother was called home to heaven. But he stayed and earth long enough that he could see the fruit mm. of his prayer life. I was ordained in 1953 at the North Baptist Church, which was my home church of my family. And uh, one of the things that happened there was a real test because I went to Countersport, Pennsylvania, with the idea of starting a church. The people wanted me to come. And so we had some Bible studies in preparation for the meeting. And after I got there, uh, I had two people helping me. The three of us were preaching and teaching. And uh, But I was 
going around trying to get people to read the Bible. And while I went home, I left I left the meeting in Countersport and went back to Corning where I was ordained. During those two or three days that I left and went back, the people that were there wanting me to start a church had decided to have him stay and start the church. Well, this was kind of rejection. Well, that was a test. But I've been to visit that dear brother since several times to encourage him. But not only that, I'm glad because God led me to something I could never have dreamed about. God did it. If I'd have stayed there, I would never have that opportunity. So the Lord knows, doesn't he? That's right. I think, Paul, when people have experiences like that in church, uh, maybe betrayal or rejection, sometimes it's a stumbling block and even jeopardizes their their faith or their commitment to ministry. So it sounds like God gave you grace for it to be not a stumbling block, but a stepping stone. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, Linda Lyons came in the picture. And uh, the little church I started in Dubois, Pennsylvania. I was starting churches, different places. And I started a church there called Temple Baptist Church. And it wasn't very large. And... uh, but we joined up with the Salvation Army for a vacation to Bible school. We too. They had a place to meet and we had some people. So we got vacation Bible school together. Well, it just so happened that Linda and I got in the same class. But I found out later she wasn't supposed to be in that class. But somehow they got they got her in that class. It wasn't long before I married that lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and what year did you get hitched? I got hitched in '58. 1958. And uh, she even spoke at Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. And uh, she played the piano and organ, and I played the trumpet, and I sang. Mm-hmm. We worked out a real team. It wasn't long before Tim became our son, and uh, I was pastoring the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Corsica, Pennsylvania. Got that church of help, and uh, so then I went to Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania, and started painting a chart. I was teaching the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's all in color. I have copies of it, and uh, this is where I painted it. It's 18 foot long and seven and a half foot tall. And uh, you start in the Garden of Eden and you end up with the New Jerusalem that God's going to give us in the end time. I also helped the Calvary Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. Uh, They had a camp there of soldiers and they would come and help us. And when they changed the whole mission of the place there with the soldiers... Uh, the church was crippled by half the people we lost in just a matter of days. So I went to Kerwinsville and I painted that chart. And uh, now my full-time pastor was Arlington Baptist Church in Bryson City. I got involved in the Camp Living Water. I love being work- working with children and young people. I have spent 23 years with them, even while I was a pastor in the area. I spent with Camp Living Water. Hmm. 
And then I went to St. John's, Michigan, First Baptist Church. And uh, a man offered me the opportunity of having a radio ministry, and I loved it. He asked me, do you know of some way I could use my money? He said, I want my money to go to the Lord's work. And so he said, I'll tell you what, you start a radio ministry, and I'll provide the money. Hmm. So he went and got two other men in our church, and the three of them paid for our ministry. And we ministered seven times a week, uh, twice on Sunday, Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyhow, it's quite exciting because many, many Catholic people came to know Christ through that radio ministry. And uh, people who had never come to our church because it was Baptist, they could listen. I got them to come to a Bible study. I had the, the chart that I tell you I painted. I had it in the basement of one of the houses. And what they would do, they would invite Catholic folk to come over and see this chart. And uh, they would kind of teach from it while I was absent. But they say, if you come Sunday, we have a service. And this is how they how they used to reach people. Mm. Many were saved. Now, during that time, my mother died with cancer. And uh, during my experience there, the chart being in the basement, a Catholic nun came to my Bible study to find out what I was like. Oh, he can't preach the Bible. He's not a priest. Well, I did. Then they sent a priest from the from the seminary. Not one in local uh, church, but from the seminary. So what I did was I had all the ones that had come to know the Lord that were Catholic before. I had us all give her a testimony and I had him last. Me next to last. So when all these people gave her a testimony of how they came to know Christ as Savior... And came to me and then came to him. What could he say? It was supposed to be kind of a debate. They said, he, this Travis, he, he can't stand up against our priest. Well, no. The Lord did it. Uh, I'm in Hendersonville. And the Lord has used me to do something I never dreamed of. I didn't plan on it. didn't ask for it. But I did the drawings. And... Uh, I started a church, and uh, we did the building as a contractor for three buildings. Two churches and one house that I lived in. Then, all of a sudden, I got involved in Grace Fellowship. In the First Baptist Church of Pelzer, South Carolina, Dr. Solomon uh, taught me the three-day conference. And then I went back to Atlanta and got the five-day workshop. Linda had died, so I married choice. We started Christ Center Counseling and we trained counselors and then Neil Anderson I heard about. I wondered what he was doing. My quarrels got me involved in Freedom in Christ. So in 1992 I started working with Freedom in Christ. In 1995 I became full-time staff. And this is where I learned so much about what it was to be victorious in our Christian life. That not only is Jesus our Savior and Lord, but he's also our life. Mm -hmm. Now when I'm counseling, for example, I talked to this man about, he came to me for counseling. And I I said uh, about Christ being our life. And he told me I was doing an affair with a lady. And I felt like God was way off somewhere. 
I felt so miserable. And I said, well, he wasn't off somewhere. Jesus was making you miserable because he didn't want you there. You were to leave. And then I think of the time when just south of Asheville, this man was coming to me for counseling and he was at work one day and he was talking to this other fellow about the Lord Jesus Christ and being his Lord and Savior in life. And this cocky man steps up and says, Hey, fella, you keep that outside. Don't bring that in here. He said, I'm sorry. But I can't go without him. He's my life. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this question, Paul. Yeah. Early on, you had read Watchman Nee's classic book, The Normal Christian Life. And uh, that kind of literature. You had that that special prayer time back at, at London Bible College where... There was more of that radical denial of self. How did hearing how uh, Chuck Solomon presented the message, how did that make it more clear to you in terms of the exchange life perspective? Well, I never heard that term before. I, uh, it was just a wonderful experience. Uh, it just, I just felt in love with the Lord. I wasn't just going through the motions and I wasn't just being in church all the time. He meant something to me. He's, li- he's living inside. Mm-hmm. I belong to him and he belonged to me. And I would read especially the book of John, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, where the Lord Jesus was sharing with his disciples about he was going to go away and send back another comforter. And he told in those chapters what it would be like mm-hmm. after he'd gone. And that was a major thing in bringing me to a place where I understood that being saved and being a church member isn't everything. You Amen. need to let him have you entirely. Amen. Paul, it must have been meaningful to you to have that additional clarity about the abiding life and to rest in him more fully because after that conference, didn't you go down to Atlanta for the training to be equipped to help others with this model? Oh, yes. What was that training like for you? Well, the Lord just opened that up. I mean, I had to find a place to stay. A man said, well, you can stay with me. And uh, there were people that said, we want to help you do it. Because you were pastoring in North Carolina at the time. I was pastoring, yes. And the training for how many weeks was it? Eight Eight weeks? Eight weeks. Was in the Atlanta area. Yes. Marietta. I left at 5 o'clock in the morning on Monday and came back Friday evening. Wow. I had someone take my place on Wednesday night's prayer mm-hmm. service mm-hmm. and uh, a wonderful experience. I had to write a lot of papers, read a lot of books, be co-counseling with a counselor. I had to spend 50 hours of co-counseling with some counselor. Uh, and I had to read these books and see these videos. Uh I remember Mike Quarles uh, and I rode together in our car and he and I were in tears one time because what they did the first week I was there, they spent on us. They weren't just telling me how to help other people. They were showing what I needed, what we needed. So you were really getting it personalized, weren't you? Yes. Now, how long had you been a widower at that time? You mentioned Linda had gone to be with the Lord. So that was a difficult period of your life to go through that loss. Yes, yes. I, well, I married Joyce, who was one of the three closest individuals to me. 
she worked a little bit at our, at our church as a secretary. It happened that uh, she became single. And uh, I had ladies coming to my church wanting to have me counsel with them. And started bringing brownies and giving me gifts and asking how they could get to know me. <laughs> I mean, I could see where if I was going to continue uh, single in my pre- present position of pastor, that was going to be something I had to deal with. Well, do you, you mentioned I, your eight eight weeks there in Atlanta. How did that uh, how did that time end up in terms of your relationship with Joyce? I never dreamed of marrying her, uh, and she wouldn't let on to people that anything was between us. But she would, uh, I remember one time I went to church, and at every entrance of the church that I was a contractor in building was something, I love, uh, God loves you, uh, God is very compassionate, all these things, and so I called her into the office and I said, Joyce, do you know who's doing this? No. So I called her in again. Well, she owned up to it then. And so what, she, what she says is this. I didn't want anyone to know or have a mistaken idea about what happened. We were friends, just friends. Mm-hmm. So how did your wedding take place? Well, when we were down going through our eight weeks in Atlanta, they kept talking to me about, why don't you get married right here? Why don't you just get married right here? So I did. I asked permission. Uh, I graduated at 12 o'clock noon on Friday. We got into a little chapel at 1 o'clock. And uh, I got married at 1 o'clock. And by 2 o'clock, they had it all back in a counseling center. For your reception. Yes. So make sure you don't mix up your wedding certificate and your diploma. (laughs) Well, and uh, what year was that, Paul, that you graduated and you were married? Oh, it's August 18th, 89. Well, Paul, thank you for sharing some of the themes of your spiritual journey, your personal life. How about our next conversation? You could tell us more about journey into the ministry of freedom in Christ. Would that be all right? Sure. Thanks so much.